Isn't it fun to worship Jesus? Man, it's awesome. Just feel so encouraged. Uh, My name's Tyler Hardy. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. And if you're new with us or just been around for a few weeks, I want to give you just a brief history. Uh, Our church started back in 2009, so eight years ago. We we kicked off as the school semester kicked off, and we met in the Hilton Hotel. And the great thing about meeting at the old Hilton is that um, every game day, you would always have just some Aggies or just thought they were rolling into town for a game and, you know, and getting this great breakfast at the Hilton. They would hear all this worship and sound, and they would just kind of trickle in. We had so many kind of quasi-church attenders over the years that would come to church seven times a year uh, in accordance with the home game. So it was awesome, a lot of fun, but that's where our church is at for four years, and we, uh, God opened up some doors for us to get into this building uh, and we've been here uh, since February 2013, and this summer we did a little bit of an expansion here. We knocked down a wall that used to be here and went that way, and um, I'm here to tell you that we cannot get this building any bigger. Uh, this is as big as it'll get, legally, physically, gravity, all those things working together. We're not going anywhere else but right here with this building, okay? So this is, this is what we got, and uh, I know it's a little crowded, but we're great with that, right? Um, we... Uh, I, I know the parking may be challenging, but just to encourage you, if you get here early, you want to come to the 9 o'clock, hey, parking's wide open, all right? So um, there you go, just to encourage you there. Um, you know, uh, uh, obviously a lot of us have been tuned into the news about Hurricane Harvey and the effects of that. I know that uh, Florida and that whole area is getting, getting pounded right now. We're not really sure how that whole hurricane's going to pan out. But I just do want to say again that as a church, we've responded really well. Um, you know, uh, last weekend, over 300 people signed up to just go down to Houston. We have a church there called Antioch Houston. They're in the Pearland area, Pearland, Friendswood, and about over 50% of their church families and people in their church homes flooded to some degree. And so we sent teams down there, 15 to 20, to go help demo and gut homes, and it's hard work, and it's all day. And people showed up here at 6.30 a.m. Uh, with the promise of some not great tasting coffee, but it was still coffee. Um, and uh, they headed down there and had great attitudes, and just want to say thank you if you did that. Um, but I do just, just want to encourage you that when we go to serve people, it really does matter. It really matters, and that you don't really know the impact you're going to have. In fact, one of our teams was down there, and Chris Pletcher, our family's pastor, he was leading a team down there, and a camera crew showed up, you know. And so it was just, you know, this young lady and this guy, and he was doing the, the, all, all, all the interview questions. And um, after, after they got done with the interview... The lady pulled him aside and some other people and said, hey, who are you guys with again? They said, we're with Antioch Community Church. She said, 10 years ago in Galveston, Texas, when a hurricane hit us, wiped out my house, Antioch Church people were there helping with my house. Are you the same people? Well, kind of. We're just part of the same big family. She's like, 10 years ago that happened. She's like, I'm so thankful. You guys are down here in Houston now doing it. Way to go. What an impact on some 10 years ago understanding that God did something in her life, the church showed up in a time of need, and we want to be a church to do that again. Amen? So that's our heart. Hopefully you get that while you're here. We want to be a missional people, as Mitchell said. We want to love God. We want to love each other. We want to live on mission. And so when crisis happened and things happen, we get a chance to do that. <clears throat> you know, um, we, we started this series a couple weeks ago called Passion and Purpose. Passion and Purpose. And if you missed it, we'd love for you to go back and listen. But we kind of unpacked worship. And what Jesus, why Jesus is really passionate about worship. 
And then we, last week we looked at prayer and why is Jesus passionate about prayer? And this whole series is about looking at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and saying, Jesus, what were you passionate about? And how can we get that more into us? And a lot of these things, they're not new topics, but we're just trying to go a little deeper because we don't want to be people that say, hey, we know that we should pray, or we know that it's good to worship. But then we're left kind of saying, I don't really know what it really means, though. I'm not really sure if I even know really how to do it, but I certainly will tell everybody that I do do it, even though I'm not really confident that I am doing anything, right? I mean, that's where we are with a lot of things. And so today we're going to turn the corner um, and and we're going to go after another topic. But as we go into that, you know, it would be fitting for me to mention that tomorrow is September 11th, September 11th. And, um, you know, in 2001, some of you were too young to remember. Some of you really were vividly part of that whole deal and what happened to our country. But um, I remember it was my freshman year at A&M. And I was preparing for my very first calculus exam, all right? So I'm sitting in my car doing some last-minute cramming with the radio on in the background. And all of a sudden, at 9 a.m., a news alert comes on, and it says, a plane has just hit a building in New York City. More details are coming. And I'm thinking, what? I honestly thought it was a joke. Like, I thought it was, I don't know, some sort of, I was like, what a horrible joke. But I just thought, that doesn't even register. How did that even happen? Of course, the news unfolded, but I had to rush and go into class, so I took my exam. I'm not really sure what kind of grade I got, but I took it. And this is before social media. This is before everyone was texting each other stuff. We didn't really know. The only, the only outlet we had was the news. And so we got done with our exam, and everyone rushed back to the dorms. and like, what is going on? And the, and the campus is buzzing about something happened in New York City. And the day's events unfolded, and it was a crazy, tragic, horrific day. A day that shocked our country. I mean, honestly, before that day, people could not tell you where Afghanistan was on a map, right? I mean, before that day, people just thought, hey, we're just safe. Nothing's going to happen here. And all of a sudden, these attacks happened, and and America really changed the perspective of our country in a lot of ways. But, you know, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of crisis, the great thing is there's always heroes. There's heroes. You could read up different stories of people, I'm not going to get into it, but the bottom line is is that over 3,000 people lost their lives in the two towers that day. And there was countless others that went in to rescue many that would have been more that would have lost their lives. But people rushed in in the midst of a flaming building and said, we're going to help people. But you know, some people lost their lives, and some people didn't. And that's what it means to go in to rescue. That's what it means to be a hero. That's what it means to go in and to go serve someone else to literally... Give your own life for someone else. Sometimes it's going to cost you a lot. And sometimes it's going to cost you little. But when we remember tomorrow, I want you to remember, man, there's heroes that have laid their lives down and helped people, and there's others that have helped that are still living. But either way, when we look at it, that is the heart of God for us to be people, to rush in into a time of need. So whether it's a Hurricane Harvey flooding thing or whether it's your neighbor next door that's just having a bad day that you can help them, either way, we are called as people, if you follow Jesus, to be those that will go and serve others. And you know, if you've decided to, to put your faith and trust in Jesus, i got news for you. You get to sign up and follow his example. Not just in a few things or things that we get to pick or choose, but in everything, right? And in fact, in Matthew 28, he said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that word everything is kind of startling, Right? And and to obey is kind of startling. But today we're going to talk about something that Jesus is really passionate about, which is serving. And he wasn't just passionate about it, but he actually 
he lived it. So I want you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 13 as we dig into this passage. And just to give you a little bit of context, this is probably a familiar passage for many. It's, it's a passage about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, to kind of let you know where this is in the history and the timeline of Jesus' time on earth, um, this is the Thursday evening before the Friday evening when he was crucified. So Jesus literally is within 24 hours of being tried and then put up on a cross. I mean, it's about to get intense. He's about to fulfill the mission of God that he came down to earth, fulfilled this mission. I mean, this is the apex of it. So here's Jesus spending time with his faithful 12 disciples, and it's Thursday evening as the sun sets, and he gathers with them in this room, And this is where we're at. So John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So I want us to pause there. We're going to notice a few things here about this scene. Um, First and foremost is it talks about Jesus knowing where he's come from and where he's going. Um, What I see here is that Jesus is giving us a model, and that's what I hope you see today in John 13. He's going to even say this is an example for all of you to go and follow me. But as we get into that, I want you to see that Jesus here, before he starts washing the disciples' feet, it indicates that he actually knows who he is. He knows his identity, which is found in God. He actually knows he's already accepted. He's already loved. And so here's the admonition for us. When we are serving, let's not be people that serve trying to gain favor or acceptance from everybody we're serving. But if you know you already have acceptance and favor from God, then you serve from that place. Instead of trying to serve just to get people's attention or get them to do favors for you, what if we serve with a pure heart and saying, actually, you don't have to give me anything in return. You don't have to pay me for that. You don't have to hook me up with that new job or or with whatever, right? But but all of a sudden, I'm going to serve out of a place knowing that I'm not doing this for your approval. I'm doing this because I'm already approved and already loved by God. And because of that, then I get to serve. Does that make any sense? So Jesus is serving from that mindset. He's not trying to win his disciples over and be like, man, I really hope they like me. I really hope they stay around. I'm going to wash their feet, get them between those toes. I really hope that's what happens here. No, that's not what he's doing. The second thing we see is that Jesus is serving his friends and his enemies. Notice it doesn't say Jesus washed 11 disciples' feet and then got to Judas and said, hey, not you, pass. He didn't do that. Is this not indicated? What's indicated is that he actually washed Judas Iscariot. Now, if you remember Judas, he was with Jesus this whole time, but he never really fully gave his heart over to Jesus. Multiple times in the Gospels, Judas is like, hey, why are we giving that money away? I need some of that. Hey, why are we doing this? Hey, what about that? He's always complaining. Judas never, he hung around Jesus, but he never, he never gave his heart to Jesus, right? So there's a lot of people in churches today in America that hang around Jesus, but 
that have never given their heart to him. There's a lot of people hanging out in College Station and Bryan that go to church, good people, right? I mean, we would say, yeah, absolutely Christian by birth, but they don't, but they don't know Jesus. They just hung around the culture or some of the environment. That's Judas Iscariot. Here he is. He's about to go betray Jesus in just a few hours to go to the authorities and say, hey, I know where Jesus is. Let me take you to him and then pay me my money. And he betrays Jesus. And ultimately, that's where the road starts for his crucifixion. So here's an enemy. And I would probably put Judas in the category of an enemy, right? I mean, in this moment, anyone's about to betray you and literally lead you to your death would be an enemy, I think, in modern day terms. But he still decides to wash his enemies feet, which means for us, we don't get to choose who we serve based off of how nice they are to us. In fact, I would argue the way to people's hearts is seeing transformation happen in their own lives. Maybe for some of you, your family's really hardened to the gospel, or you're the only believer, or your friend circle, no one wants anything to do with church or Jesus or anything. You know, the best thing you can do is to serve them without expecting any favors in return. Because eventually like, man, why do you keep serving me? Why do you keep loving me? And can I just say for our nation, we don't need the government to fix the hate speech and the anger and the frustration. We just need people to serve each other. Like, you don't have to say, well, I don't get along with this race, or I don't get along with these type of people. You know what? Just go have a meal with them. Well, I don't eat that kind of food. So what? Start eating it today, you know? Well, I don't want to eat with you. So what? We're going to eat because we're at odds. Sharing a meal together does a lot to break down the walls. That's probably, we should probably do like a national share a meal with your enemy day in America. We got lots of holidays and half of them are worthless, to be quite honest. I mean, you could probably Google, so there's a day for everything. Like who came up, who, who has the power to do that, you know? We should start the national eat with your enemy day, you know? And then it's like, oh wait, they're not my enemy now. Actually, I got to know them and I realized I had all these prejudices and things about them and misconceptions and judgments like, oh, huh. well, yeah, we just never talked. Just never had a meal together, right? So Jesus is giving his example. How you deal with your enemies is you serve them. And you know what's interesting is he says um, he loved to the end. They're at the end of verse 1. He loved them to the end. He loved them, meaning all of his disciples, including Judas. He loved them. Even though the guy never really gave his heart over, he loved them. Even the disciples have questioned him at times. He loved them to the end. You know what we see is that Jesus served from a place of real love. He didn't serve bitterly. He didn't serve frustrated. Has anyone ever served someone and you've been frustrated doing it? I have. And then midway through, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible. Because I'm just serving as like an angry person. It's like, look, please don't sign up for Kingdom Kids to go work with them if you hate kids. <laughs> Come and let's, let's pray through that one and Work out whatever's going on, why you don't like kids, and then you can serve them. You know what I'm saying? That's what I say all the time about giving. If you're going to tithe and give to this church, which we believe is a, is a biblical deal, we need to participate and be part of that. But on the other side of that is I also don't want you giving if you're doing it begrudgingly. I don't want you giving. That, to us, is called dirty money. Really, like, we are pretty serious about that. I don't need you giving money to the church if you're angry. <laughs> give when you're at a place of, oh, I get to give. Don't, don't, don't give us all that because then we're tied to that. I don't want anything to do with that. You know what I'm saying? When you serve people, and listen, we're on a journey, and the great thing is we have the Holy Spirit who's like, hey, you're scrubbing this person's floors right now, and you're pretty bitter. 
Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, stop scrubbing. Repent. Let's go talk it through. And all right, now let's keep scrubbing, you know? But we want to be people who are serving from a pure heart, right? Not with some hidden agenda. Jesus, he humbles himself in this whole story here. We see him getting up and humbling himself, taking on the form of a servant. You know, the night before my wedding, my wife Ashley's down here. She's amazing. Um, she had a surprise for me. She said, hey, I want to I hang out with you for just an hour after the rehearsal dinner and stuff before we go separate ways and get ready for the wedding tomorrow. And, um, and so we went over to her parents' house, and uh, she, she brought me into in, in, in the study, and she said, all right, sit down. I said, okay. And she then brought this bowl out. She just made this. She did this, this pottery class. She made this bowl, brought it out, filled it up with water, and she just began to wash my feet. And it was humbling. It was humbling because I was like, wow, I'm getting to marry a woman who's saying, I'm going to be like Jesus to you. I'm going to serve you. I didn't do anything to deserve a foot washing that day, just so you know. Um, but she just chose, I'm just going to serve you. I'm going to love you in this way. And it really laid a foundation for our marriage. She said, hey, I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'm here to serve you and love you. It's amazing. But she was just saying, this is what Jesus did. I'm going to do the same. Then to be exactly foot washing, but the, but the mindset is a, is, is a humble mindset. As saying, I mean, she could have chosen not to do that, but she said, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to serve you in this way. That's what God's trying to get at to us. You know, it's interesting, though, if you look to the Gospels, um, and I haven't found it, maybe you have, but I haven't found it, that you don't see anywhere where the disciples have actually washed Jesus' feet before. I mean, this is, I mean, they got 24 hours left before he's going to the cross, and he's been with them for three and a half years. You don't see anything indicated of the disciples washing his feet, but you see, you do see Jesus' feet getting washed, right? So in Luke chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles, turn open to there. In Luke chapter 7, this is what it says. <clears throat> and just to give you a little context, um, Jesus is invited over to a house by a Pharisee to have a meal. And it says that the sinful woman in town had seen Jesus go into this house, and so then she followed him into the house, okay? And so, and so she, she follows Jesus into this house, and then this is where we pick it up here in Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss of greeting, but she has been kissing my feet since I came in. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. I tell you that her many sins are forgiven, so she showed great love. But the person who's forgiven only a little will love only a little. Jesus is highlighting the fact, hey guys, guess what? Um, Here in Luke 7, remember, this is a long time before we get to this scene in John 13, which means the disciples, and especially Peter, have already seen someone come in and wash the feet of Jesus. But they had never thought or at least indicated to actually do that. Why? Because he's trying to make a point here to them here and then later on in John 13, which is this. Um, you actually have to realize that you've been forgiven a great deal. And when you know that you've actually been forgiven a great deal, not just a little, then you actually respond with great love. I mean, that's true for us, isn't it? Does anyone have a friend, or maybe you, that just was living a life that was completely rebellious, completely against God, void of, of anything you could say is holy or pure, and all of a sudden they turn their lives around to God? And honestly, those people are like the greatest evangelists. Do you know why? Because they know what it's like to be in the pit of darkness. And they have no qualms telling you about it. You don't want to go there. You don't want to keep doing that. 
That's why when you hear someone that's got that crazy 180 story, it's because they know what it's like to be there. And they're like, I don't want anyone else to be there. But if you're like, well, I just had a couple of things going on. I told a few white lies once when I was nine. That's what I needed saving from. If, that's, if you're like, that's all I've done, then that means you haven't really pressed into realizing actually the fullness of what he's done for you. He's making you aware of it. So here we are. Jesus, he gets up and he looks for an opportunity to serve. Now, in, 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 in Bible times here, um, it was very normal to go into a middle class home and there to be a bowl with water and it provided so you could actually wash your own feet. So in a middle class home, there were no servants or slaves to do it. So you'd wash your own feet. But in a wealthy home, there would be either a servant or a slave available to actually wash the guest's feet. Now, why did they do that, right? They didn't have these, like, you know, great vacuums back then. They also walked around either barefooted in sandals. And when you walk outside in streets to where there wasn't really lots of laws concerning, you know, donkeys and dogs and cows and where they do their business, you might step in it. And you probably don't want some of that in your house. Would be nice, right? And so they wanted you to wash your feet so actually you wouldn't be bringing all the outside junk into your home. And so here's this scene. Jesus gets down in the form of a servant or in the form of a slave even, and their mindset is like, what is he doing? This is so beneath him, right? I mean, honestly, if you're seeing your disciple, you've seen Jesus do miracles, and he's a son of God. You're like, man, this is Jesus. He's, he's our leader. What is he doing? Because all they had seen leaders do, leaders would be here and everyone follows them, right? This is, I mean, like the mentality of a leader was, hey, I'm always up here. You guys are always doing my thing. That is the mindset at the time. So Jesus goes counter to that mindset. He goes countercultural to that and says, actually, I'm going to get low. I'm even going to take off the outer garment so that I even look more like a servant, wrap a towel around my waist, and then wash each of your stinky feet. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with joy. I mean, that you had to, you have to give the disciples a break a little bit and be like, they were probably just in shock. What is going on here? So he's not a slave. He's, not a servant. he's our leader. He's our king. What is going on around here? And Jesus is getting to something with them. And so in verse 6 through 11 in John 13, let's pick it up. And it says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Well, Jesus corrected him, and he said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, okay, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, please. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, this passage can be a little confusing, but don't you love Peter? I mean, man, he gets front stage a lot of times, the good, bad, and the ugly with Peter. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so here he is, and Jesus would probably wash a couple disciples' feet, gets to Peter, and Peter's like, no way, that's beneath you. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus is saying, no, I have to wash your feet. I have to wash them. And then he's like, well, don't you wash my whole body. So it's kind of confusing. Well, what's the deal? Is Jesus really talking about Peter and the disciples taking a shower like that day, is that what he's talking about? No. What he's talking about is this. When Jesus says, you've already been washed, you've already bathed. Remember, baptism is this immersion. It's this idea of you go under the water and you're baptized after you're saved, after you put your faith and trust in Jesus. He's saying, Peter, you're already one with me. You already have my heart. 
You are already in the kingdom. You are part of this family. You've already been forgiven. You've been cleansed. But you do live in a fallen and broken world that has dirt and junk that attaches to your feet every day as you get up and move around and walk. And so what is that? That's called the process of sanctification. Sanctification is literally is the process of saying, hey, every day I'm going to move a step closer to being more like Jesus. Every day it's going to mean that I'm going to have to confess some sin. I'm going to have to deal with some stuff, some issues I have with some family member or some person and get some bitterness out of my system. And, but it's, it's a process because every day dirt's going to collect. Whether you step in it or it attaches to you, however it comes to you, you've got to deal with that. So Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be washing your feet. And, you know, remember, salvation, it's a one-time event. You don't have to get re-saved every day, right? Like salvation, when you put your faith in it, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I was saved last Saturday. Now it's Wednesday. It's our midweek salvation time. That's not how it works. Jesus says, I have bought you. I paid for you in full. You want and done. But the process of becoming more like Jesus called sanctification is actually the rest of your life. There's a beginning, Right? But it doesn't end there. There's a beginning, and then there's a lifelong process of learning what does it mean to become more whole, more pure, more holy, but you do it in relationship with him. So there's this idea of Jesus not just washing physically the feet, but he's also washing them spiritually. And so what I would say is that serving is actually meant to not just be physical. It's also meant to be spiritual, physical and spiritual. Now, a lot of us kind of have a grid for what does it mean to physically serve someone, to help someone, whether it's cleaning their house or bringing them a meal or helping out in a time of need or volunteering here at the church or doing something in the city. We kind of have a grid for, hey, I helped here, I served here, I volunteered here. We have an understanding for that. But the spiritual side may be kind of looting us a little bit. So what does that look like? Well, on a church-wide level, we have something called prayer ministry. And it's developed years ago. And essentially what it is, is just an opportunity for you to sign up and have some of our trained folks sit down with you in a room. And you just, they just help facilitate a conversation between you and God. It's literally just helping you to pray and talk to God as he kind of tries to tend to your heart on some different things. And, you know, I did this uh, a number of years ago, and, and then a couple of years ago, they're like, hey, you should do it again. I said, hey, I'm in. But I went into it honestly, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking I'm pretty good. Like, I'm pretty good. I don't have a lot of bitterness towards people. I think I'm okay. So the session's probably going to go short. I mean, honestly, that's what I thought. Um, I was wrong, just so you know. So I stepped in this session, and um, we're praying through stuff. I'm just saying, and all this, hey, God, what do you think about this? God, what about, is there anyone I need to forgive? Anyone going on? And he brought to mind a family member that had done something to me at a Christmas a few years prior. And it just angered me. And I just stuffed it at the time. I never dealt with it. And I realized I had this angst against this one person for a couple of years. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of it. But the way I was treating them, you could have seen as a third party, like, you're kind of treating them different. So I just had this, this bitterness that God exposed and said, hey, you got an issue. It's like, oh, my gosh, I do. So I prayed right there, forgave the person, Lord, forgive me for hanging on this bitterness, and just got cleaned out. That's what we're talking about, this, this idea of washing your feet daily. But then not just be in a prayer ministry session. You as a friend can just literally send a text to someone and encourage them and say, hey, this morning I took a couple minutes, I just said, God, how can I pray for my friend? And God gave me a verse for you. I want to share that with you today. Be encouraged. That's called spiritually serving someone. Right? You can, you can come up here on a Sunday morning and you can just pray for a friend or our ministry team. They get to spiritually serve you as they pray for you at the end of the service. It's prayer. It's encouragement. It's feeding their soul. It's helping someone in their relationship with God in some way, shape, or form 
serving someone, right? It's going through the scriptures with someone, just kind of unpacking something. If they don't understand it, and just kind of walking it through with them, right? Discipling people. This is all serving one another spiritually. But Jesus didn't just do the physical. He did the spiritual. Jesus, he would go in and heal someone of blindness. And then he'd share with them, hey, your sins are forgiven. I mean, he always is about the two-handed gospel approach. It's a two-handed serving approach as well. So let's keep going here in verse 12 through 17 with this idea that we're trying to serve people physically and spiritually. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So here's where we're wrapping this up. Jesus goes through this whole act of washing his disciples' feet, including Judas, who is an enemy. He goes through the whole act of, of taking on the form of a servant, and their minds, doing something that's actually beneath them, beneath him. And, you know, I think the struggle for us sometimes is that um, we think that our serving, we just need to be bent one way or the other. Hey, I'm really good at acts of service. I'm really good at kind of serving practically. Or, hey, I'm really good at ministering to people spiritually. But we tend to think we kind of land in one camp or the other. And I just want to say, the model of Jesus is you have to land in both camps. It's not just this is how I was raised so I can do this easy. Not anything's easy. But we have to learn and to follow his example. He says right here, he says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Then in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I want you to stand today as we close. The ministry team can make their way up here as well. You know, um, as I look at this story, if you just kind of look at the room of Jesus and 12 disciples, he's having this meal with them, gets up, washes their feet. <clears throat> to me, it's, it's pretty clear there's really two groups of people here. Two groups of people here in this room, not just in this scene. Um, you may be in this category, which is, you know, um, I kind of feel like a disciple right now, <laughs> uh, where I just kind of sit around and I receive a lot. And people are always serving me. And that's just the way it's been, or that's the way I was raised, or whatnot. And so you're sitting here, and you're saying, I kind of feel like a disciple. That's like, okay, Jesus, you can wash my feet. Uh, but, but you're kind of feeling this draw of, you know, I don't really know if I've actually applied the teaching of Jesus saying, you see me do this, now I need you to go do the same. That maybe there's just something going on. You're like, I'm just not really serving that much. <laughs> Uh, I kind of feel selfish at times and weird that everyone's always helped me, but I don't help anyone. So if that's you, I just want to invite you again to say, man, God, I want to be that. Like, I want to step into that heart, to that mindset. So if that's you this morning, these guys are up here, they'd love just to pray for you. If you're just saying, man, I just need a little nudge. I just need God to nudge me a little bit and say, man, give me the heart to serve. I want to do it. Or maybe, or maybe you're, you're on the other side of it and you're like, man, I've been, I've been like Jesus. I'm serving the dog out of people. And I'm tired, and I'm exhausted. 
You may be a, a parent that just feels like you're pulling all the weight between you and your spouse. You may be a roommate that's just like, man, I'm doing all the work. Nobody's thanking me. Nobody notices. I just want to say again, God notices. You don't have to have the human things to keep going. But if you do feel tired and you're like, I serve, but I'm tired. Or I'm serving and I've been serving so long, I'm feeling bitter about it. I'm frustrated that no one else is helping in. That I want you to come get prayer as well. I just believe God wants to minister to you, to you today. And a word we had this morning as we were praying this morning as a team was that nobody would leave today disappointed. Meaning that if there's any disappointment you brought in today, that God wants you to leave it here with him. And he wants you to leave those doors without disappointment attached to your back anymore. Amen? So wherever you're at, if you need a little nudge, hey, it's time to serve. Let's go. If you need a little heart shift or just God to fill your tank back up because you're tired, whatever you need, we want you to come up and get prayer this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We're so grateful for your example. And we trust you this morning. We trust you with our hearts. We want to give you everything. And we just pray that you would help us. Just help us in the process of becoming more like you one step at a time. Help us to become people that serve as you serve. In Jesus' name.